Hello and welcome to Debriefing UFC, episode 4. My name is Gonzalo Souza, and I am joined by my partner in crime for the UFC. We have Austin Jenick with us. Hello, Austin. So, Austin, we have a cool conversation ahead of us because we were the one duo that performed together. Like we, we were actually in the same room doing our performance. Uh, everybody else, well, we, I mean, we were all spread out across the world, Alex all the way in Paris. Uh, we had that, that opportunity. But before we get to talk about our duo in specific, I want to talk to you about the show as a whole. Because you are by far the guy with the most experience out of the seven of us. You've done hundreds of shows for hundreds of clients in hundreds of environments. Uh, and we talked a lot about this. There's a big difference between performing a show and running a production. Which is that is very true. Did. Yeah, it, it, doing the Zoom UFC show was super fun. And I actually think this is my first time talking to all the listeners technically on the podcast. So, hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Austin. <laughs> if you've seen me, it was because you saw the UFC show, which you should have seen. It was a great uh, show. But the pressure is so much higher on any show that you're self-producing and self-developing uh, for two reasons. One, I think because you're self-producing it, there's just the nature of the excitement of the show sort of gets to you because you, you see all that lead-up time, all that build-up time. And then the stakes are a lot higher, too. If something doesn't go right on a production level, the Zoom link doesn't work, something crashes, uh, anything, it all falls on you. As opposed to if you're going to a corporate gig and you're just there for 30 minutes, you're in, you're out. If something's going wrong with the caterer, it's not your fault. You know, it's you can kind of <laughs> compartmentalize all of those different factors. You can't do that with the UFC show. So it definitely put a lot more pressure right off the top, but at the same time, that makes it a lot more rewarding uh, when you make it happen. Yeah, we contrasted it with uh, our brunch sets at the castle. So we show yes. up at 10 o'clock. We do six shows in a day. It's a lot of pressure. You have a lot of audiences. You don't get a lot of rest time, but it's still less stressful than this show that we had to put on. Because it's, it's as you're saying, anything and the finest detail that fails is on you and then it, on you, on us. And then it's up to us to fix it and make sure that we deliver the best possible product to everybody that came to watch. The last theater show I had done a while back, like my very first theater show, I remember being hit with this realization because when you go to a, a gig, a lot of times the audience is there. So you have a pre-built-in audience and you're there just as the performer. But when you're doing your own show, you have to act as producer, you have to act as the ticket salesperson, you have to act as the marketer. Unless you have other people doing all those roles, it puts a lot more pressure on you to perform in a bunch of different avenues. And that's why it's, it's so much more stressful. Well, stress or no stress, we did it. It was a success. So that, I mean, that's why we have this, this series now. Cause we, we get to, <laughs> we, well, and I think for you and I too, it was stressful, not stressful, but like in a fun way, like adrenaline inducing is a better term for it because yes. we wrote all new material for the show. So we, we were, cause we knew day one, when we said we were going to do this show, we said, okay, let's pretend we had to do this show tomorrow. What show would we do that we could just like pull out in like a second, right? We just wrote it up. We're like, all right, that's our like backup show. Now we have that done. Now we don't have to stress. But then we said, let's aim for a more ambitious goal. Let's write all new material. And since it's a duo show, let's write duo material, which is a little bit more challenging to write typically. Yes. And do that, which was a lot of fun. 
I mean, because we're both solo performers at the court. We, you've done duo show. This was the first time I did a duo performance. So I had no experience there. I know you've worked with, with Aaron before. I, and I know you've worked with David Valdez as well. Aaron O'Brien. I want to say people's names as well. And get, <laughs> <laughs> that guy, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron O'Brien, David Valdez, both also members of the Magic Castle, both very talented performers. And I've had the chance to do a few sets with them over the years. Yeah, but we went for all new material. And it was exciting. It was exciting. It was exciting. It was, it was really fun to tackle a bunch of new material with a different tonality than our normal material oh, has. If you watch the UFC show, it was, it was very almost Carbonaro effect-like. If you watch that TV show, we were making up fake explanations for magical effects that were happening. It was very goofy, uh, very tongue-in-cheek, very fun. Uh, sort of a sarcastic show is probably almost the best way to put it. And sitting down, being like, all right, what do we want to do that's different? And then actually writing out a script was a big part of that. Because when you're going to do a, a solo show, you can get away with not writing out a formal script, although I would argue it's a good idea. Uh, follow Pete McCabe's <laughs> yeah, advice on I, that. I, Ken Weber. Here, we will always say that you need yeah. to write a script. <laughs> write a script so you know what you're doing. At the very least, you better write an outline, but write that script out. And this duo show, though, even more requires that because so many duo shows if you have dead time in the back and forth, that's bad. And then it's simultaneously bad if you have sort of the the fake sincerity that a lot of duo shows can have. Bob Dorian, uh, our mentor, of course, over at the Magic Castle, recently passed, he always would say this. He hated a lot of duo shows because they would come in and they would be like, so, Bob, what are we doing today? Well, John, I think... And it just it felt fake from the, from the moment of the conception. I think we did a good job playing off some spontaneous moments, even if they weren't actually spontaneous. I think we played that acting role well. For we instance, did. the opening. Yeah, uh, the opening. I, I think that's that's the moment that we need to, to talk about and address. So for those that did not watch the show and weren't present on the 20th, uh, Austin and I simulated that we were, uh, like all the other duos, at a distance from one another. We popped up with two cameras and two completely different set backgrounds uh, on Zoom. And then my camera freezes and drops off. So I lose connection. And then I show up uh, in Austin's frame next to him because we, we were in his studio. So And within context, this was so fun because we literally had a bunch of duo performances in this set who were all in different locations. Then we come on. It looks like we're in two separate locations. And then Gonzalo's camera cuts out. It looks like we have this big tech issue. And then he walks into the studio that I'm in and we proceed to do the show in the same place. Uh, and that was just a fun gag way to kick off the show and sort of get people's attention if they were falling asleep. Yeah, and you deserve a lot of recognition for that moment because your acting was amazing. You sold it. It was that so fun. <laughs> it was so, so fun to do that. And you know, the, the way that I know that we were successful is uh, that gasp. There is one person that audibly gasps and the whole Zoom, like their microphone caught it. So the, it felt really good. Uh, in the moment and watching the recording, knowing that our joke uh, or our gag was more than that. And it actually gave people a, um, a fun feeling, you know, of like, oh my God, they've messed up or, or it messed up. But no, no, it's all under control. Yeah, I, did, I think Lauren even, who was running production for us, didn't know we were doing that bit and we faked her out. Is that right? That is right. Lauren is Connor's girlfriend and... Uh, one of our most valuable members here at Ungimmick. And yeah, she did not know. And she was, t she was telling me that her heart sank when my video cut out. She was like, oh no, you guys worked so hard. You don't deserve this. So it, it, it was incredible. I'm very happy that we, we went down, we went with that, uh, that gag and we went down the route of comedy because it's, 
outside of my comfort, it's becoming a bit more of my comfort zone personally. I'm I'm enjoying being goofy on stage with my magic more and more. Well, and I, I bet the ungimmicked audience here doesn't know that we have a running bet amongst pretty much all the ungimmicked members that once things open back up in California and open mic nights happen, we're all going to go down and do five minutes of stand-up comedy. Uh, Consol can edit this out if he doesn't want this to feel, but you know, we have this pact, and we're basically all going to go do five minutes of stand-up and just see what happens. And we, we all expect to bomb, but it's the idea of coming out of your comfort zone and then doing it a few times until you can do that, because that's, that's a powerful thing to just get on stage and do five minutes. I think that sounds crazy fun, so hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully soon, and I will leave it in, because now it's the commitment. We will have to go and do those five minutes, and if... Uh, it is allowed by the venue and the place that we're at. We will record it and share it on the Ungimmicked channel. <laughs> I, um... <laughs> You're going to get tweets about this. <laughs> um, talking about our duo in, in specific, uh, we, we've yeah. all mentioned a bunch of times, we did perform in person, but we only saw each other on the day of the performance. So we practiced for a month and a half at a distance. Yeah, that's right. And this was sort of unorthodox because we have all these scripts we're writing, we're hopping on Zoom calls, we're talking over the material. But the two hardest parts is you can't really get a feel for the script super well over Zoom. I mean, you can talk it back and forth, but not heavily. And then a lot of the sleight of hand we actually could not do. The, the sleight of hand, the methods required for the madness, required being in the same physical location uh, for some of these pieces. So we had to sort of talk it out, rehearse it the best we could in, in our heads. And then when Gonzalo came over five hours before the show actually block it out. I think the biggest example of changing blocking on the fly was the slow jamming the magic routine that we did. Yes. Uh, for those that don't know, we did a routine to some jazz music, but what was so unique about this routine is sort of the way the camera was placed. We took advantage of the fact we were on Zoom and racked the focus. So for those who don't know what a rack is, it's sort of when a foreground element is highlighted while the background blurs out or vice versa. So you'll see this effect happen uh, in TV a lot where something will be in focus in the foreground and then it'll blur out while something in the background becomes highlighted. It's that. So we were using this sort of effect and we wanted to do it in camera. We had my brother at the camera ready to do this effect. But because of how the depth was in our studio, we couldn't get away with it. Like it would not look quite the way we needed it to. The blur wasn't dramatic enough for the effect. So we actually on the fly <laughs> had to, in OBS, which is the program we're using to stream, digitally create this effect. Uh, by basically installing some blur plugins and then blurring half the screen or the other half of the screen to simulate a rack focus. And this all happened on the fly. Gonzalo gets here, we start testing it with the camera because we couldn't test it before. We realize it's not looking that great, and we go, hang on, how do we figure this out? And literally within an hour, which I was shocked by because normally this <laughs> tech stuff takes way longer than you think it should, like even to do simple <laughs> stuff, but this somehow worked and we got it uh, ready pretty quickly. Yeah, very proud of us uh, in that regard as well. I got to your house, I think it was, what, 9 a.m.? Yeah, I, about yeah. 9. I woke up, and I, I woke up, I got Starbucks, and I went to your house. It was about a 45-minute drive, and I think I got there around 9 o'clock. The show's at 2. So those five hours were all we had to really do the script in person and bounce it off and get the feel of, okay, now you stop talking and I stop and start talking. How do we do this byplay? Where are we looking? Where are we positioned in relationship to one another? All that actual theater blocking uh, we didn't get to do until the day of, which is uh, very anti-ungimmicked, uh, uh, the anti-the-ungimmicked uh, way of doing things because we are always about the planning and the scripting, every single little detail. And we, right. we, it's not that we didn't want to, is that we could not. We did the best we could. We imagined the space. We tried to block it out in our heads. But as soon as 
as soon as we were in person, we realized a lot of things can't happen the way that we envisioned them. Slow jamming the magic being the biggest one of them. And a big shout out to Joshua Janik for <laughs> for helping us out, changing all the cameras and, and making sure that everything ran smoothly. The tech here is fascinating to, to talk about a little bit because one of the biggest differences between doing a live show and a Zoom show is you're not doing a live show. And by that, I mean, you have to... <laughs> Look at a camera. You're you're basically hosting a small TV production. And, exactly. and to different levels of technical intricacy, whether you're just on one webcam or you've got a more elaborate setup. But effectively, you've got something that requires a lot more technical know-how, which changes not only what you do, because I've got multiple cameras that I can switch from and lights and all this stuff, but you're also looking at like the camera. Instead of looking at the screen, which makes you look like you're just looking off somewhere else, you're performing magic to a camera, so you have to be knowledgeable about that. It feels a little different. You have to keep things within the frame of the screen. It's very easy to, to dip your hands outside the screen, and then even though you did no sleight of hand there, it could very well have been how you accomplished that incredible switch that you, <laughs> that you used sleight of hand to do, but now it just looked like you did it in the offbeat. So keeping things in frame, looking at the camera, there's and then also switching things on the fly, that's the normal stuff you have to deal with. But for this show, it was particularly more challenging because we specifically designed routines like Slow Jamming the Magic that were a little bit more cinematic, that used more scenes in OBS. Because anytime you want to change something on the live stream, you basically create a new scene in OBS. You can toggle between them. And we had like 30 scenes. I don't know if it was that many. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot and of I, scenes. Uh, more scenes than I've ever had for a live show. And it was scary to remember all of the choreography that we have to do, changing these scenes while we accomplish Slight of Hand. Because at again, the same remember. Time. This choreography of the of the hotkeys and the OBS was written hours before the show because it was as we were figuring out what scenes do we need, what things do we not need. So all those keys, we were trying to get a mental map of everything those yeah. hours before. And you're all doing it in real time. You don't want any dead time. So to give an example for just that one sequence in the show... We just finished a piece where the revelation is mirroring our screen so we can show somebody a mirrored image of what we were looking at. So that's a hot key, like that's number four. And then we switch back, so we gotta go to zero again. We push those keys. Gonzalo and I are sitting next to each other. Then we start talking about jazz music, and then it's time to start that piece. So we have to hit key eight. That sends up a little title card. That title card gives us about seven seconds to move into a different position because now we're gonna switch not back to zero, which is the main cam, we're gonna switch to one which is our side cam, which we were using just for this piece. You still remember so it's framed the a little differently. <laughs> I, these numbers might be wrong. I'm pretty sure these are right, though. So I think they then, are. Then I remember, oh, yeah, it was 4, 5, and 6. Then Joshua is now on the con on 4, 5, and 6. And 4 is a focus on me with the fake blur that we were creating, the fake rack focus. 6 was a focus on Gonzalo, and he would go back from 4 to 6. And then 5 was a fade out. It's a fade to black. So already in that, every few seconds, in time with the lines of the dialogue, it's like click, click, click. And it's, it's really terrifying, but very fun. Yeah, fun is the word to, to describe our set. I think that is the, the main word. I had a lot of fun performing it. I had a lot of fun preparing it. And I think it was fun to watch. And that was our goal. And I'm glad we, we achieved it. I think it was really fun to watch. My biggest thing on Zoom shows is eliminating dead time because I think you have less license for dead time than you do in a live show. In a live show, well, it's why Broadway plays are a lot of times more interesting live than, than filmed versions. Nothing against a filmed version of a Broadway <laughs> play, but the, the mechanism of the entertainment is designed to appeal to like going to a venue, sitting down, enjoying it. So you shouldn't have dead time anywhere 
that's boring, but you can get away with it a little more in a live show. Whereas if you're on Zoom, it's so easy for someone to just click the browser link, start watching something else. So I think having something that's it's moving along at a fast pace, you're not wasting people's time in any moment is really important. Well, Austin, I'm, I believe it is time for us to close. So I want to close with a big thank you for joining the project. For As, as soon as we asked uh, for your help with this, you immediately said yes, and you put hours and hours um, into the project with us. So a big, big thank you for that. We hope to see you present for more in more ungimmicked things can can we have something can you can we have you live saying that you you might be present in more things throughout this year yeah i was just saying let's do it again let's do the show again let's do some new stuff uh it's always awesome to work with all of you guys and i'll say the word you guys as an inside joke to those who know uh but working with the whole ungimmicked team is 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 fantastic well austin once again a big thank you to you and a big thank you to you listener for being on that side uh, tune in next week. We will have Connor McDonald talking to Sanjeev Vinod about their set that closed out the show. And then we will have a final sixth episode where Connor and I will get together again to just talk about some fun facts and figures about the show as a whole. Yeah, if you oh. thought this was good, just wait till Connor McDonald comes in. It's going <laughs> to blow your mind. Follow us on the socials at Ungimmick, then go watch our YouTube. And I'll see you next time.